You're listening to the Boss Business of Surgery series podcast, episode 46. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Sasha Shilkut, and we're talking about how to create brave boundaries. Her latest book, Brave Boundaries, is so fantastic. I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation. We all need to know more about boundaries. And if you want to hear the replay of the Stop Hating Clinic webinar, go to bosssurgery.com. Welcome, surgeons. Residency didn't teach us everything we needed to learn to be a successful surgeon. While we spent our time caring for patients and learning how to operate, we didn't learn how to advocate for ourselves or navigate our career. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Vertries. I'm a general surgeon, certified coach, and founder of the Boss Business of Surgery series. This is where you'll learn those lessons not taught in residency. Welcome back. I have a very special guest. I am so unbelievably thrilled to have Dr. Sasha Shilkut on the Boss Podcast today. I can't tell you how much I've really admired your whole journey and all the leadership that you've exhibited and all all the quality information you're given, all the support of women and gender equality, all the things. And so thank you so much for coming on to the Boss Podcast. And I'm really excited to talk about this new book that you have. Well, thank you for having me. I am a fan. And I just have to say, uh, anytime I get to sit down and talk with another woman physician who is not just showing up every day in the clinical space or the administrative space, but also doing something to help other women in medicine, it just lifts my spirit. So thank you for having me on and thank you for all you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. And, you know, I know a lot of these things, like for me as well, too, happen kind of accidentally. So take us through your path of becoming this like leader in, of women physicians, because I imagine if we asked you a few years ago, you probably would not have even potentially dreamed what you've done. So take us through your journey. It's very, very true. I really grew up in medicine, having a very traditional career, uh, went, joined academics right out of my training as a cardiac anesthesiologist started doing all the things, you know, that we do publishing, speaking, uh, taking on clinical roles. And I found myself, I would say right at the mid early career, like late early career, mid career. I was a mom to four young kids and looked really good on my CV, all the things, but inside I was a mess and I was felt like I was failing everything. I, really didn't have any hobbies. I didn't even know what I would do if you gave me an hour or two of time alone with myself. And I was just struggling so immensely to juggle all the things and feeling like I wanted to quit medicine, which was quite terrifying given all of the work and effort and education that we pour into our careers. And so in 2013, I hit the wall. Like I just was like, I got it. Something has to change. And I started slowly setting a boundary with myself every morning, just spending time alone with myself. It was only 15 minutes because that's all I could gather at the beginning of that stage. But I realized at the end of that year, I kept a list of all the things I said no to. And I realized like, oh my goodness, no wonder I've been so tired and exhausted and, and not even feeling like myself because look at all these things I would have last year said yes to, you know? And so I was a lot better at the end of that year, but then I realized I was lonely and I was isolated as a woman in medicine. And I thought all these things I'm experiencing, other women have to be experiencing as well. So I started a very small text group where I said, you know, I just need some encouragement. I need some friendship. (laughs) Would you want to be my friend, so to speak? And that grew to a Facebook group that grew to my company now, Brave Enough. 
So I teach courses and I host events for women in medicine that uh, really focus on the whole woman and how to take back control of your time and how to lead as you, as a woman. And you're right. I never thought that I would be doing this. I thought I was, you know, I had an NIH grant studying heart failure in the operating room. Like I didn't see this as my future, but I think sometimes we go through challenges and we go through things and we realize that we have something to share and we have something that might help equip or help another person. And so that's where my journey has taken me. And that's how I'm talking to you today. I love it. And I think you have a way with words too. You know, I'm just pulling up something I saw in your book. It said, the one change I made was not a career change, a partner change, or some life gimmick. It was learning to see the cracks in the foundation of my well-being and seal them up with boundaries. I think that's just beautiful. Mm, thank you. Thank you. What? It's really true. <laughs> I agree. And you know, and you also said this in the book, and I see this all the time in the women that I coach, is that they don't recognize these things are boundary issues. So take us for how you discovered that it was a boundary that that you lacked. I don't think I had the vernacular or the awareness that it was boundaries either. I don't think something I, I don't think we are taught this. And it's, it's certainly when I went and figured out that what I was lacking was boundaries. I actually went to a therapist uh, because I hadn't been to therapy in like a decade. Um, and I went in my career to go, I went through some PTSD after a patient poor outcome and it really helped me. But then I thought, oh, I'm okay. I, you know, I came through that and I never had therapy for a decade. And then the pandemic hit. <laughs> and I think I had built this community around helping others and really helping women establish work-life control or balance or whatever you call it. And I found myself burned out again, like probably like many of us in the pandemic, I was trying to help my kids virtually at home and take care of patients and take care of this community. So when I went to a therapist for the first time, she said, you need boundaries. Like I showed her my phone and I showed her all these messages. And I said, I just need to know how to like prioritize who to help. And she said, actually, you, you're helping way too many people and you are not helping yourself. You need boundaries. And I said, aren't those for people in like toxic relationships? <laughs> and she's <laughs> like, yes. And that is exactly where you are. You are having a toxic relationship with yourself because you are overextending yourself. And it was like a light bulb went off. And so then I went and I started reading because this is what we do as, as doctors or educators, we start reading all the information. And there were no books out there about boundaries for like the everyday woman or boundaries for women. It was all like boundaries in your marriage, boundaries in your relationships, boundaries with, you know, sexual relationships or whatever. And I was like, that's not what I need. I need like day-to-day -day boundaries. And so I, this was almost like, you know, the first book I wrote was really about coming out of that burnout. And then I realized like that was keeping bad things out, but this was how to keep the good in. And that's what boundaries really opened up for me. It, it was like, I will continue to burn out, Amy, if I am not constantly setting boundaries. And the more successful we are at every age, at every stage of our life, we have to set different boundaries. So that's what really helped me and really called me to write this book because I feel like so many of us need this information. 
Absolutely. And I'm going to pull another um, highlight here that women do not see their burden of work as an insurmountable task they cannot achieve without self-destruction, but rather they see themselves as the problem as they are convinced that they are just not enough. Isn't that the truth? It is. And it's so interesting because the more we take on, the more exhausted we become and the more we over-function, over-deliver, and then we go, what is wrong with me? <laughs> Instead of realizing like, I mean, I'm sure you do the same thing. I'm sure you coach women who come to you and they're, they, they're like, what's something's wrong with me. I just need to be stronger. I need to have more energy. I need to do this. And so I have them like spell out their day and they're working like 16 or 17 hours a day and they're sleeping like maybe five or six hours and they are have no time for themselves, no time for their health. And I'm like, you are not the problem here. It's everything you're doing, like what you think you can accomplish and what you have taken on. So a huge point for me was realizing that I need to be an approachable woman. I want to be an approachable leader. I want to be a person that people can approach, but I should not be accessible to everyone. Mm -hmm. And I have to set boundaries around who has access to me and when people have access to me. And I'm the only one that can control that, you know? So that was a big aha moment for me as well. Oh, I, I completely agree. And I thought, you know, we don't think of boundaries like with ourselves, you know, and I, I thought you had a great point with that too, of this, you know, some boundaries are not with others, but they are limitations, promises, and oaths we must, we must make with ourselves. Those are often the hardest ones to make. We're on, the only person who knows that we are keeping the boundary is ourself. And I mean, how many times have we, you know, because the thing is, I can see where you could take that and say like, okay, I have to have a boundary with myself, but you're making sure that not using that again as a reason like, well, I'm just not doing it right. I'm not doing the boundaries thing, right? <laughs> yes, it's, and that's, you know, that's what is so hard when you're writing a book like this is I didn't want anyone to read it and think, they were somehow, it was like another thing that they had to work on to achieve or do, or another way to shame themselves, which we do so well, you know, we're so hard on ourselves and we're so perfectionistic, especially I think in our realm of the women that we serve, because that's what we, it took to, for us to get here. Like, you know, being, having the best grade, scoring the highest on tests, never making a mistake, not having a bad outcome. And it falsifies this belief that that's the answer, mm -hmm. but it really comes down to what have you promised yourself that you are going to be, how you're going to be well and how you're going to stay well. And oftentimes we make these things for others, like our kids, I'm, I'm going to be there for you or our partner, you know, we're going to be, we're going to go on a great vacation. I promise we're going to go on vacation this year, or I promise I'll be at the soccer game. But we don't keep promises to ourselves and we don't even think of ourselves in that priority. Right. And I thought you had a really uh, genius exercise of very simple, you know, post-it note strategy of trying to decide your priorities. You want to tell us about that? <laughs> yes. You know, it's it's interesting. I have to remind myself all the time what my priorities are. Like, you know. I think if you said like, what are the three most important things in your life, Sasha, I would say, well, my family, you know, they're, my family is it, or, you know, my, my service to, to women in medicine or my faith, but do, does my calendar reflect that? You know, that's another thing. Um, and so I have these post-it notes where I just write out like 
these are your top three priorities. And honestly, for me, I've realized at any given point in my life, I really only have time for three things. Like, and so for example, I love speaking. I love public speaking. It's one of my favorite things to do. And a couple of years ago, I was speaking before the pandemic hit. I was speaking like every month, once or twice a month. And it hit me in January of 2020. I was at a retreat that I only had a year and a half left with my son before he left for college. And it just like stunned me. And I thought, you know, I say that my family is the most important thing, but I'm speaking twice a month that's taking me all over the country. And that doesn't equal my family. And I buckled down and I set a boundary with myself and I said, okay, I'm going to speak four times. That's it. I'm traveling four times, which was a huge boundary for me. And, you know, I kept it. But two things happened. Number one, I just took my son last month. I'm probably going to get a little emotional here. It was very hard. (laughs) Dropped him off in Texas and said goodbye. But I wasn't thinking when I dropped him off about the financial loss of not speaking at all those places Mm -hmm. or, oh, I didn't get this or I didn't get that. You know, all I thought was, I'm so glad I kept that promise to myself and I spent all that time with him. And the second thing was that I learned is that when you keep a promise to yourself like that, it builds your confidence that you can keep the next promise to yourself. Yes, I I loved your point of of you imagine it like the the fence post, uh, putting the fence post and that barrier around, and then every time you put a fence post in, it got a little bit easier to do the next one. <laughs> yes, yes, love that. And it's so easy to lose track of our priorities, and that's I like the simplicity of it. See, like you just draw two lines, and there's you, and there's your three others, and that is it. That's all you get, and put it somewhere you can see it. Because a lot of times we feel like it's going to be hard, or we don't know where to start. And I really liked how you made it so simple and accessible to everyone, because it really can be that simple. And the problem is we make it seem hard because we've told ourselves we can't do it. We don't know what they are. We're going to make somebody unhappy. And I know that you talked about the backlash um, that we think that we're going to have. Um, Tell us a little bit of an idea of this fear of the backlash when you place this boundary. Yeah, you know, I think we all want to please the people in our life that mean the most to us or the people that we deeply respect. Maybe it's someone at work or maybe it's someone in our community or a friend. And we have this fear of letting people down and disappointing. I call it disappointing nice people, right? Like none of us have a problem saying no to people we don't like, (laughs) right? But it's the people we respect or we like that we just don't want to disappoint. And we often create this narrative in our brain that is this person's going to dislike me. They're going to blackball me. They're never going to ask me to participate in this again, or they're going to think poorly of me. Um, And oftentimes it's not true. You know, most of the time when you say no to someone, especially if you say no immediately, like you just say no, the answer is no, you know, it's no. And when they ask you, you just say no, thank you. People are on to the next person 20 seconds later. Like it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. Now, once in a while, however, and you have to understand this, there are a percentage of people that have, that operate in the world and have no boundaries. 
They answer their email all hours of the night. They call people at all hours. Of the, you know, we all work with these people. They they just don't have boundaries themselves. They would not be upset if you called them at 10 o'clock at night and asked them a question about work. So they don't understand that it's not okay to do that for you. They They literally have no boundaries. Everything bleeds into everything in their life. And those people may give you backlash when you set a boundary with them. And most of the time, it's because they don't understand it or they're confused or they're jealous because they have never thought I have permission to set a boundary. So a big issue for this and specifically women in medicine is something that I researched called citizenship tasks. Women are asked to do citizenship tasks, which are tasks that need to be done for the machine to run at work more than men. So men aren't even approached with these tasks and they don't result in pay or promotion. And women spend hours and energy doing these things and then we don't get paid and we don't get promoted on them. So oftentimes when I started recognizing this after I did the research, I was like, oh, that's a citizenship task that they're asking me to do. It's not part of my job description. I don't get paid to do it. They're just asking me and assuming me. And I would say, no, I, I, would, I, I am not going to do that. If there's resources or pay, I'm happy to do it. I don't have the time or resources to do that. And other people would be upset that I said no. And it wasn't because it affected them. It's because they had never thought of saying no to those tasks. And they were jealous that I was saying no. And so that opens a door that we can empower others as well to set boundaries. I completely agree. And I've experienced this myself in coaching people. They initially experienced that backlash. And I was like, the more certain you are, your your certainty is actually going to rub off on them. That it, It's like giving them permission to do it too. And their initial reaction may not be their final reaction. You know, if you're so certain in it, for one thing, you won't care that they don't like it or not because, you know, you've already made the decision, but you're giving them permission to do that too. And that's actually how we change is letting um, it kind of have this ripple effect on people. Absolutely. And, you know, I think Brene Brown says clear is kind. And I love that. I Because I think about that with, in the context of boundaries all the time, you know, when you're setting a boundary, you're really just being transparent about your desires, about your needs, about your work or your or your work effort or your work time or energy or what you're choosing to, to spend your time doing. You're just being totally transparent. And that's kindness. We often think, oh, I'm going to set this boundary and it's going to be mean or I'm going to be seen as a bad person. or But it's actually really transparent. I mean, I would rather have someone say, I don't want to go to that with you. <laughs> like, I'm not going to do that. That's not my thing. I don't love that. Then to say yes, and then not want to be there, you know? <laughs> the yes, that's really a no. <laughs> yes, yes. And we do that all the time. Or the no becomes a yes, because we just ignore it. We ignore it. We we don't want to say no. So then it sits in our inbox. And then the person asks us again. And then we say yes, because we've waited two weeks to get back to them, right? Yes. And now it's really bad to say no. <laughs> Yes, yes, totally. <laughs> and I love you that, you know, the, the clear is kind. And the first is, you know, what is your boundary? I think the more clear we are, it's easier for us to then communicate it to other people. And I know that that's one thing that you point out that, you know, we can have a boundary all day long, but if other people don't know it, it may not be helpful. Yeah, yes. So I use this example because this hit me. Um, 
I had a, one time I had a, a junior colleague who used to call me all the time from the OR and say, Hey, can you look at these echo images and FaceTime me from there? And I, I didn't mind it. Honestly, it, it was something I felt like I needed to do. And then I realized like he, he did it once on a night where I was rushing to something with my daughter and I was angry. And I was like, why is he calling me? This is rude. He's crossing my boundary. He shouldn't be doing this. And then I was like, wait a minute. How's he supposed to know that last week it was okay? And this week I'm mad. Like that's on me, right? Like I have not set a boundary with myself that I'm not going to take these work calls at night. Like if I did, then he wouldn't, I wouldn't be putting him in this position where this night it's okay for you to call me. And this night I'm annoyed that you called me. That's on me. It's actually not on him. So oftentimes I just think we expect people to know our boundaries that we don't communicate them. And now I just say like most of my partners know, like I don't take work calls at night. Um, if you need me at night and I'm on call, I'm there and you know, like that, but I'm not going to save anyone's life over email or FaceTime. <laughs> like I'm an anesthesiologist. So <laughs> there are no emergencies that need me at seven o'clock at night on the phone. Yes. And Brooke Castillo talks about the four steps of a boundary, which is, you know, knowing what it is and communicating it and saying what you're going to do if they violate it. If you call me after hours, I'm not going to answer. And then the fourth is actually doing it. If they call after hours, (laughs) you don't answer the phone. (laughs) Yes. And it's so funny because I feel like one of the biggest boundaries that I struggle to convince others to set, even though they, they they just can't grasp it is email on vacation. Like this is a huge (laughs) one. Right. And, and it's like, I coach people all the time and they're like, Oh, I, I, I didn't answer the email on vacation, but I read it. And I'm like, what happened? And they're like, well, I thought about it for three hours and I was really angry. I'm like, yes. And then you're not thinking about your kids on the beach or your partner that you're, you know, skiing with don't read your email on vacation. And it's like, we just can't think that we're, we think we're being a bad worker or to be a bad colleague or bad leader if we do that. When all the data shows us, the more you disconnect from work on vacation, the better you are when you come back to work, right? Yes. And, you know, I think that we also don't, I work with a lot of people on on the effect that it has on the people around you. And, you know, what does it send what message does it send to them if you don't trust them to be able to do some of these things? You know, we think that, you know, and I think you actually mentioned this about this, a little bit of our ego gets involved here too. We don't want to really set boundaries. We want them to be a little bit dependent on us. And what we do is we really rob people of the ability to, to become masters and figure things out on their own if we become, if they become codependent on us and, and recognizing that we do get a little bit of a benefit to that. I think that is, really smart. I love the way you said it. It because it was a gentle reminder that it it's it's actually a negative thing to be the the only person who can do a job. Right. We have convinced ourselves of this or maybe and I know a lot of leaders that are, you know, wonderful people that think like everything has to come to them, everything has to stop with them and they never get a week off. And that's not a good leader. That's not good leadership, right? Leadership is empowering the people beneath you to make the decisions in your absence and that multiple people can do the job. Maybe they don't do it as well as you, but they do it 80% as well as you. And that's enough, right? Exactly. And if we never give them the chance, they're never going to be able to get better than what they could in that moment because we haven't let them. Yes, absolutely. And I love this idea of, 
uh, these people have said, oh, no, no, no. I mean, other people can make boundaries. I just, I don't have that personality. <laughs> what do you tell those people that says, no, that's not me, you know? Yes. Oh, I hear this all the time. It's probably the number one thing I hear from people that I coach on this. And they'll say, well, I'm not confrontational. I love that one. I'm like, well, actually, what would you do if someone knocked on your door and, and said, I need to see your child? <laughs> you would be confrontational, right? Like if someone came at, tried to grab your kid or someone tried to hurt one of your patients or someone tried to, you know, did something harmful, you would say, stop what you're doing. You're about to administer the wrong drug or don't do that or whatever. You would have no problem setting a boundary around other people's safety. We often forget that we are our greatest asset. Our health and our energy and time is our most precious asset we have. We probably are someone else's world. Like we are there. Like I think of my kids and my husband and what, what would happen if, if I was so unwell that I needed to be hospitalized or something, you know, their world would be affected by my unhealth, my lack of health. And so I tell people all the time, if you think of yourself as your biggest asset, you will not have problems setting boundaries. Just like, you you know, you set boundaries. We don't think we do, but we do all the time for others. We protect others, but we don't for ourselves. And once you start thinking about you being the asset and how important you are to, and your health is to so many people you serve, you get more and more comfortable setting the boundary. And I like the, the way that you described it as like, we think of like valuable things, you know, would you like just give your things to other people like this, like antique necklace that your grandmother gave you, you know, would you give that to somebody else? Like, well, no, like, well, time is the only thing that you have and you only get a limited amount of time of it. Would you give that away? And we do it all the time. All the time. I, I remember clearly um, I was traveling to go to a, give a talk on a Monday and go to a board meeting on a Monday. And they asked me to come Sunday um, night for this dinner. So they said, can you come Sunday? And my son had this big soccer game uh, at like noon or something on Sunday. And I really was, I was really trying to decide what I should do, but I thought, you know, I'm the only woman that got invited to this board. I, I, I better be there. I mean, all the men are going to be there and I'm the only woman. And I don't want to say I can't come because it's my son's soccer game, which is so silly. You know, it's so silly that I, I felt that way, but I thought I'm going to be really, you know, judged if I don't show up. So I changed my flight. I missed the soccer game. I show up to the meeting and there's like three men there out of the 14 on the board. And I thought to myself, this, you will never do this again. Because I sat at that meeting and I, I didn't even want to be there at the dinner. I thought, what is this really, this, this is not my priority. See, again, I, I did something because I thought other people expected me to do it. And I thought other people would look down on me if I didn't do it, if I didn't go to this dinner. When in fact, the majority of the people on the board didn't go to the dinner. And I was the newest member and I didn't realize this. So I just thought, I thought, remember this feeling write it in your notes of your phone and never do this again. You wanted to be at that soccer game. You missed that soccer game to sit at a dinner with four people that really don't really care if you're there or not. So I don't do that anymore. Like I asked myself, like, what is my priority? Is it, is it going to this dinner? Because maybe it was for some people, not for me. You have to stick to your boundary. I love it. And 
What are some of the, the problems that have come up for you most recently? Because I know that you mentioned that, that COVID kind of set us back. I forgot, it was something crazy, like 10, 20 years or something like that, that has set us back. Um, yeah. I what are just some of read, the challenges you see? Yeah, I just actually read um, the statistic yesterday, which is quite sobering, um, that uh, according to ELAM, which is the women's, you know, act, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's a huge training program for women in medicine to become deans. There was... They just did a big assessment of uh, CEOs, deans, and chairs in medicine. And after the two years of COVID, we are back to the same numbers as 1988. Mm. That's crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. And so it's it's really a crisis. Um, you know, some of the things that I've realized with COVID was that, it, you know, we've we've always had, I think, since cell phones have become our new thing, like we don't have pagers, we have cell phones and everybody calls each other. There's very little boundaries with that. But then COVID added a whole other blurred boundaries. You know, you're at home then you're working and then all of a sudden you're, you know, you're on a Zoom and then you're running downstairs and doing laundry and then running back upstairs and doing a Zoom. And you could be working during COVID. Many of us found ourselves on our admin days working from 6 a.m. till midnight. And because we were working from home, you know, and that, that just really changed. I mean, I remember thinking like, oh, thank goodness I'm in the OR today because I'm going to go into the OR and I'm going to work and I'm going to leave the OR and I'm going to come home because that was more boundary than working from home. And so I think we have to really challenge ourselves to be intentional with our work from home, be intentional with our boundaries. Now more than ever, uh, COVID has really set us back. And do you ever find yourself slipping in boundaries? And how do you get back to reinforcing these fence posts that you have? <laughs> yes. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's just me, but I always think I can do more than I can do. Mm -hmm. uh, I take on more than I can. Um, and so I have this little rule for myself, this habit, I would say, not really a rule, but a habit where on Sundays, I, as much as I don't want to do it every Sunday, I give myself about 15 minutes and I look at the whole week ahead mm -hmm. on my calendar. And I give myself permission to cancel things because I'm almost always overcommitted. Like I will look and I'll go, okay, Monday's not so bad Tuesday. Oh, and then by the time I get to Thursday, I'm like, I'm not even going to, I'm going to be a zombie by Thursday because I've overcommitted myself. So I know this about myself and I try really hard to give myself space at least two hours in the week where I just have nothing scheduled. And I'm like, don't put anything in that space. Sometimes I still do. And I've had to, I just have to cancel things. And that's on me for not setting boundaries, but I do that every Sunday as a, as a way to kind of course correct. <laughs> well, I think that's the number one problem that we make in time management in a clinic and all the things is underestimating just how long something takes, you know, because <laughs> that was my number one point in uh, this recent webinar that I had about stop hating clinic. It's like you are underestimating how long all your work takes and that's why you're frustrated. Oh, that's so good. It's so true. And I don't know why we do that. We just, we, we, we think that we are better at achieving the things in the time allotted than we are. So true.
And if you really want something, or if you really like have this desire, like to, to achieve in academics and things like that too, it's hard to turn these things down. And so I think that part of it's a little bit of a delusion of, of thinking that if I think of how long it's going to take, then I have to tell someone no. And so I'm just not going to think about it. And I'll just make magical thinking around the time and then everything will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's funny also how we we don't, um, give ourselves, you know, I always think about the trauma room and how we have an OR set up all the time for trauma, like, you know, and it's just every day we set that room up for trauma, whether it gets used or not, it stays empty. And we don't do that with our life and our calendar and our time. Like we think there's never going to be any trauma. (laughs) Like we don't keep an OR open, so to speak in our calendar, (laughs) you know, and we should, because we think, oh, we're never going to get a flat tire or we're never going to have a sick kid, or we're never going to be late to a meeting, or we're never going to have an elderly parent get sick. Like we need to keep that trauma room open in our calendar so that we can have a little space in our calendar. I call it white space, like clear white space on my calendar where nothing's there that I can slip into. And if I have an emergency. I love that. I'm going to keep, I'm going to use that. Keep an OR open. The, um, <laughs> I wrote an article called, uh, you know, physicians need growth days. And, you know, because, because we're all overcommitted, you know, I was like, you just have to, I started putting random days in the schedule. Uh, and I initially started with two a month and then it ended up being four a month. And most recently it's every Wednesday. Um, and, and at first it, it was a gradual progress because first I being putting on the schedule, in the first place was huge. And then I put on the schedule, but I wouldn't look at it. So then I wouldn't abuse it. So it would be like a surprise. Okay, I'm coming to clinic tomorrow. Like, no, you're not. I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now I can actually make it a little bit more predictable, but uh, it's because it's I didn't even trust myself to honor it. <laughs> That's genius though. Isn't that funny that, yeah, you like know yourself that you're going to fill it up. So you're not even going to tell yourself you have it open. Isn't it terrible? And, and I realized it's like, that was just, uh, it's my stepwise progress to putting in boundaries. There you go. Now you've done it. Myself. There you go. <laughs> Well, now I know that you worked a little bit for um, gender equality and all. And so take us through some of the specific things that women face. And I was especially interested in your um, insight into work at home. Yes. So I think, you know, you coach women and and men, I coach women a lot and they always come to me saying work is out of control. Work is out of control. So I have them list their job description, what they get paid to do, and then where they're spending their time. And there's oftentimes a mismatch there between what they're actually paid to do and what they're being asked to do. And so we have to correct that and get back to doing what they're supposed to be doing only. But the big thing they miss is their home, their home life and having boundaries at home. And when I say that, they're like, well, I'm never, I I already feel bad because I'm not there enough. So I can't have boundaries at home. I can't ask other people for help. I can't say no to my kids. I'm like, this is a big issue. And we know from studies that have been done years ago, and they're pretty much repeated every year for the U.S. workforce in general, but specifically for medicine, that the average woman physician works nine more domestic hours compared to male physicians of the same rank and the same year and the same age. So FTE to FTE comparison. So you're doing 10, about 10 more hours a week of this kind of stuff. And yet we don't ask for help and we assume that it is our responsibility. So a big eye-opening, and I think I talk about this in the book, was when I was talking to somebody about this and she said, you are describing your husband as the helper. 
you're saying like, oh, he helps me do this. He helps do that. He's great. He helps. You're, you're saying it is all on you to run the house and he's the helper. He's like the number two. And I was like, I didn't even realize I was using that language, mm-hmm. you know, instead of an equal partnership, like we're, we both have to run this house. We both have to take care of the kids. We both have to do laundry. And my husband works. I work. We are more than an FTE 2.0 FTE family. <laughs> we are like a 3.8 that it takes to, to run this house. And I have had to learn to ask for help, to hire help. I've had to learn that I cannot do all the things. Um, you know, I just can't, I, I can't do it. And then I have to put up boundaries around what I will do in the house and what I can't do. And I've just had to learn that, that I'm not the mom that's going to like bake cookies or go to the meeting at school or go to coffees with mom at 9am. Like that's just not going to happen. Um, and having those conversations with your partner is really hard, but it's so necessary to do that as women, we have to do that. And it's really eye-opening when you start having those conversations, because most of the time your partners don't even realize what you're doing because they're not doing it. So they're like, what, what do you, oh, that takes what, what do you have to do? <laughs> the invisible work. Yes. Yes. Often. And, and I think that, you know, your therapist pointed this out, it, it, you um, talked about the story in the book, how your therapist point out the language that you were using, because I thought that was so helpful. And because we wonder, like, why do we still have these gender um, inequalities? And I think that we don't even realize the language that they're using. And the things where coaching and therapy helps is having someone with a skilled ear hear how you're talking to yourself, because you don't even know what your limited beliefs are until someone says, do you realize you just said that? Absolutely. So true. So true. And we don't recognize that we actually have a lot more control over that that we think, you know, and once we realize what our limited beliefs are that we may not even been looking at, that may be a way uh, to get beyond this as well. Yes. Yes. Well, I want to honor your time, of course. um, And I want to make sure that everyone checks out your book, Brave Boundaries, because really, I mean, this is where you're going to get all the more details, all these you know excellent pearls that you've already shared with us. And there's so much more in the book. I strongly recommend everyone get that. Now, where else can they find you? You can find me at becomebraveenough.com. I have a Friday newsletter that I send out every Friday called The Scoop. And uh, I'm also on social media at Become Brave Enough. That's fantastic. Well, I know you already have a huge following and I think after this, you're only going to have more. So, so Sasha, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so honored that you came on and and I think everyone's just going to get so much out of this. Thank you for having me. For more information on the Boss Business of Surgery series, go to bosssurgery.com.